Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, you know who said the Bucks were going to run the table about three weeks ago? Well, we've got them on the podcast today. That's right. Nostra Thomas. What does he think about the hirings of the football coaches at Florida State? and South Florida. And what's wrong with the Tampa Bay Lightning? Will someone be going to the boardroom to be fired by Christmas? We've got all that today with Tom Jones, my former radio partner and longtime columnist with the Tampa Bay Times, now with the Pointer Institute on this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, along with producer Steve Bursnick. All right, lots to talk about with uh, my former radio partner, Tom Jones, longtime columnist of the Tampa Bay Times, now with the Pointer Institute. Good morning, Tom. And uh, before we get to sports, we'll have lots of fun talking about that. You had an interesting post uh, the other day on uh, Pointer.org. This Clint Eastwood film, uh, which was really interesting, of course, about Richard the centennial. Jewell. Yeah, Richard yeah. Jewell, the Centennial Olympic Park bombing. And the movie, I mean, I haven't seen, you know, I've seen some of the trailers of the movie. I mean, it's a good subject, obviously. But they took tremendous and maybe perhaps cruel license with one of the employers uh, or one of the employees of the Atlanta Constitution, um, Kathy Scruggs. And tell us about that, because this is this is like a thing now. I I can't believe they they actually did this. Yeah. What happened was so. So Clint Eastwood's making this movie about Richard Jewell, which, of course, was a security guard who was falsely Mm -hmm. accused of planting a bomb at the at the Atlanta Olympics. Um, and it's really ironic because the whole story basically is how the media played a role in basically convicting this guy and, and ruining his life, basically, even mm-hmm. though he had nothing to, to do. He found the bomb, um, but he was accused of, of being the one that planted it. And one of the, the early reporters on this was a, a woman by the name of Kathy Scruggs, who worked for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, as you mentioned. And, uh, and in the movie, she is played by Olivia Wilde. Now, Look, Rick, we know these movies based on true stories often take a little bit of license, a little bit of dramatic license, and, sure. and they have things that don't that actually didn't happen in real life. And I think we expect some of that going in. There's usually a disclaimer at the end, like you know, some of the some of the real events were were altered a bit. Or you mean that Leonardo changed. Leonardo DiCaprio's character wasn't on the Titanic, and that, that there was. Speaking of which, by the way, can we just can we just say like there was enough room on that door, that thing for Kate Winslet, like move, scoot over a little bit, know, right? right? Come there on, man, room. you're hugging the whole door. They're lovers, and like all of a sudden she doesn't want to be close to him. Like, yeah, sorry, you, sorry, Jack, you you mm-hmm. don't hang on to my doorway or whatever. You're, they could have they could have saved him. There was anyway, room. Um, but in this movie, Richard Jewell, uh, there there's a, a I guess a part of the plot is that uh, Olivia Wilde's, the character, the, the, the Kathy Scruggs, sleeps with John Hamm, who plays the FBI, the, uh, agent, FBI right? agent, um, to get a story, to get a scoop on this. And there's no evidence whatsoever that this reporter for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution ever slept with somebody to get a story, which, by the way, I don't think I have to say this, but in case you don't know, that's a no-no in the journalism <laughs> world. You don't sleep with right. people for, for scoops. Um the bad part about this, Rick, not only is there no evidence that this ever happened, but Kathy Scruggs is no longer alive. She died yeah. in 2001, so she can't kill herself. She was very young when she died. She died about what they believe was a drug overdose from from uh, pain pills. She had a chronic uh, back issue. That She's 42. Guess, yeah, yeah. She, was, she was a young woman. But there's no evidence whatsoever. Well, everybody's come out and criticized. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution has come out and said there's no evidence this ever happened. People who worked with her said this isn't true. And Warner Brothers, which uh, put out the film, basically has doubled down on this and said, look, we're stacking, we're standing by our story. We took a little bit of uh, dramatic license. We put that in a movie. Uh, we say that at the end of the film. And, and, uh, and basically they're saying the real victim here was Richard Jewell, who was falsely accused. Anyway, I, it's completely ironic, like I said, is that a, 
a, a movie that's about how Richard Jewell basically got was falsely uh, accused. Was falsely yeah. accused, and the media had a big role in that. Suddenly, takes liberties with somebody else's life uh, in real life. So, uh, interesting story, and, and I know Olivia Wilde has done a bunch of interviews about it now, trying to defend herself. Um, saying that oh, Look, I she did. just read the script. Oh yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> I mean, you she know, goes, well, I got ex- paid money to read the movie. I mean, what do you want me <laughs> right. to say? I've, she goes, I've done extensive reporting on or uh, interviewed people who around her and Kathy Scruggs' brother, who apparently is the only uh, living member of her like immediate family, said, "Look, I never talked to Olivia Wilde. I don't know what she's talking about." So, mm. a little bit of controversy, and I know a lot of journalists out there are fired up, and a lot of people are going to be boycotting uh, the Richard Jewell movie. But yeah, interesting, interesting how it all came about. It's funny too. Like I said, I saw the the Mister Rogers movie. Have you seen the Mister Rogers movie? The the Tom Hanks. Um, I have not. I've seen the trailers for it, and I've heard great things about it. It's tremendous. It's absolutely tremendous. And that's based on a true story. Tom Junot, I think, is the guy's name, who wrote the story for Esquire. Uh, and in the movie, they take a little bit of dramatic license. He even says, look, some of the things that happened in the movie did not happen in real life. But none of them make, none of them accuse the guy of sleeping with somebody. You know, I, it's a pretty, it's a pretty damning uh accusation to make if you do, if you don't have any proof and it never happened so yeah and the movie is dramatic enough i mean that's the thing yeah. like and it's also you know there's i don't know how you feel about this but there's, there's also a bit of a stereotype in a lot of movies about women reporters sleeping with their client you know sleeping with right. the subjects they write about which I, I i don't know what why that's a thing in in movies in general and and going back a long time obviously right um there's a, the movie Absence of Malice, which I don't remember if that movie came out. It came out, I think, in the 1980s. Paul Newman was in it and Sally Field. And it's, right. now it's a complete drama. Yeah. And, uh, and Sally Field's character is a reporter mm-hmm. and sleeps with uh, Paul Newman as part of the story. And, and it's, again, it's Kelly McBride, who works for the Pointer Institute. She's a senior vice president. She even tweeted out yesterday, just when you think we've come a long way in Hollywood about right. how women are portrayed in movies particularly women journalists, then something like this comes along. And, it, and the bad thing is, Rick, this wasn't even a fictional story. Like, if you if you write a, a movie that's that's fictional, it's still not great if you have your female reporter sleeping with sources. But this was a true story, and this event actually did not happen, as far as we know and as, as far as it's being claimed. That's what's really sad about the whole thing. Yeah, it definitely is. Well, and and the the, the movie itself. I mean, uh, I, the whole Richard Jewell thing. I remember w- just before we get off this. What what was was it just because of the sort of isolated like the he, he was a unique guy. He was a, a I don't know a, a sympathetic character. I think, but um, why did they jump to such a conclusion? I mean, I would think the FBI, whatever sources that that they had in this story, must have led them down this trail, right? Yeah, I'm not. I don't. You know, it's funny, the Richard Jewell story, and it's actually, I was kind of interested in seeing this movie because I had kind of forgotten exactly the details of what happened. The movie comes out Friday, but I'd forgotten mm-hmm. what happened with Richard Jewell, and I think if you ask most people to this day, mm-hmm. they would they still think Richard Jewell did it. Right. And I, I don't know if it was a case of, well, he's the one that found the bomb, so the right. guy who, you know, uh, that's the same thing. It's the, the, the person who calls the police is probably the one who did it, you know. Mm-hmm. Um so I, I don't really remember the details of everything that happened. I do know that the media was irresponsible and sort of running mm-hmm. with the story. And then we all got, you know, we all got caught up in the frenzy, and, and it looked yeah. like this guy was guilty. And uh, I, I, that was part of the reason I wanted to go see the movie, but I'm not sure I'll see the movie now because of all this. All right. Well, this is my last movie reference, but uh, Saturday, I'm not going to be here, and I'm upset, Tommy, because December 15th in Tampa, this Saturday, I believe. Was that this Saturday or next yeah. Saturday? I yeah, don't yeah know. that's this Saturday. It is this Saturday. Um, on the same stage, Olivia Newton-John and John Travolta reuniting for the first ever Grease sing-along screenings and fan Q and A's. I'd be were so a, in on this. Were you a Grease? You like Grease? You like Travolta? I like the movie. I like Travolta in general, but I like the movie. Like you know, we're showing our age here a little bit. Uh, but oh, that's a uh, classic. I mean, it's we all a like class- Wizard of Oz. Doesn't mean we're a hundred years. Well, old. <laughs> it's true. That's right. I'm melting. I'm melting. <laughs> Still love the flying monkeys. No, um, I, you do. I have nightmares about the flying monkeys. It scared monkeys. the hell out of me when I was a kid. Yeah, it still does. But uh, but how cool would that be? You know, Olivia Newton-John is 70 years old. And they both look great. 
They no, both he, look phenomenal. Yeah, he looks they, good. They look tremendous. She looks good. Yeah, she's had two or three bouts with breast cancer. I mean, it's unbelievable. But I think that you know the mo- the music in that film is just is incredible. Oh yeah, and, um, summer nights that, and yeah. That, oh yeah, summer oh, yeah. loving. Yeah. yeah, summer loving. So I'd be all be in on time. that. Is your I wife going? No, we we would have gone together. I think if I was, I got to get on a plane to go to Detroit. Ah. So we'll talk about those Buccaneers. <laughs> yeah, where would and your you prediction. rather be? Where would you rather be, Detroit or or watching Travolta and <laughs> Olivia Newton John? Well, I, I, and hopefully my wife doesn't hear this podcast because she she'll be like, "Why aren't you taking me to see Travolta and, and Olivia Newton John?" I didn't even there's realize. No, was there's coming. no chance your wife listens to this podcast, right? <laughs> no, I don't know. <laughs> when I'm not on Sorry, it, Patty. Probably yeah, doesn't. when you're not on it, right? <laughs> Um, no, I would be all in on that for sure. So uh, we got lots to talk about in sports, obviously, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna start with the Bucks who go to Detroit. By the way, you are Nostradamus again. Thank you. Known for your correct predictions, which never seemed right. Of course, for years you picked the Bucks five and eleven, and for years they were five and eleven. Um, but <laughs> I get uh, a bad reputation. Everybody thinks that whatever I used to predict, the opposite would happen, and I would yeah. argue that I'd, I got a bad reputation. It was I. It was, it one was Josh prediction. Freeman that did you. It was you Josh in. Freeman did me in. That was the only one. Other than that, and maybe one other. And that wasn't I really a was, prediction. That was more like a, uh, a sort of a, a command, if you will. Yeah, that was just, that was what you thought they should do. It, yeah, it just showed I wasn't. I should not have been general manager of the Bucks. Yeah. Other well, than that. A lot of general managers that shouldn't have been general manager of the Bucks. So there's, that's there's no difference there. But, um, but yeah, you you have you have actually a pretty. I can vouch for this after five years on the radio with you. You have a pretty good record. I mean, you really do. Thank you. But, I mean, who saw that? Look, they're not playing. I pred- I was the on here a couple Ravens weeks ago and I said they would not lose again. This you said season. they were going to run the table and now they've run. They've won three in a row. They go to Detroit. Uh, a very winnable game up there, and we look. It looks like Jameis Winston will be able to play with his fractured thumb. So they go to Detroit, and then they come home. And the toughest game of this stretch is probably going to be the Texans at home. Although the Texans just got waxed at home by the Denver Broncos and a rookie yeah. quarterback, so their defenses can't be that great, right? And and then they finish up with Atlanta, which is again a division opponent, and you just don't take for granted you're going to beat them twice. But this is this is doable. So. Um, you know, Jameis Winston, they, they damn tried. They damn sure tried to lose the game on Sunday to the Colts, trailing by 14 in the third quarter. He comes out, you know, throws a pick on the first pass he throws <laughs> for the third time this year. Throws a pick six, his fifth of the season. It's unbelievable. He's given away 100 points on turnovers himself, okay, forgetting everybody else. But he comes back. Tommy throws for 456, four touchdowns and a rushing touchdown. I'm not sure any quarterback has thrown that many yards and scored that many touchdowns with passing and rushing. And they win the game. Um, and then, you know, the, 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 which is going to be a, a debate probably until they have to make a decision in March. What do you do with this guy? I, mean, was, I was listening to, to Bill Simmons the other day, and he, he brought up something. You remember like when we were growing up as kids particularly? It's not as big a deal anymore, but when we were growing up as kids – a big deal in baseball was 30-30. Like, if you hit 30 home runs oh, yeah. and stole 30 bases. and like 30-30 club was rare. It was rare. Yeah. Jameis could be the first 30-30 quarterback <laughs> in the history of the NFL. It's not a good thing. <laughs> he could throw 30 touchdowns and 30 interceptions. Oh, I'll in give you one season. more. I'll give you one more. Go ahead. He could lead the league in passing yards, throw 30 touchdowns. and He could have the most passing yards, the most interceptions, and the most touchdowns. In That's the crazy. same season. Crazy. Literally be number one. Like, he's just a just a tick off. He's got 26 touchdown passes, okay? Lamar Jackson has 28. He's two behind Lamar Jackson. He's going to win the interception title, but he's only a few – he's only a couple – I mean, the way he's going, he could win the passing yards title as well. I, you know, but here's the funny thing, Rick, and, and we've said it before. He's the most exciting player in football. He goes back to pass. You have no idea what's going to happen. It's going to be a That's score true. for somebody. It's either <laughs> going to be the other team or your team. And I'm watching him play, and I, I think I've decided about him. I'm, I'm not ready to go the Josh Freeman route, but I, I think he's your quarterback. Yeah, I, think I, you, I think you bring him back. I think, he's, I think he should be the long-term quarterback unless something – absolutely crazy were to come about and you were able to draft a Joe Burrow and even then I'm not yeah, sure there's you're no in a way better you could sp- get up to number no. one so and I'm not sure you're in a better spot than you are right now and I'm looking around the league 
And I'm starting to think about it, Rick. Okay, he's not, I think we can all agree, he's, because of the turnovers, he's not that upper echelon guy. He's not Aaron, he's not in the category of Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson or, um, I don't know if you want to put Lamar Jackson in there that early. Yeah, right um, now, yeah. Yeah, uh, Drew Brees. Again, because of the, I'm not saying he's not as talented as those guys, just because of the turnovers, you don't put him in that, in that upper, upper echelon of players. But then in that next group, I mean, would, I would take him ahead of, I'd, I'd put him right in there with Dak. I'd take him ahead of Dak Prescott. Who would you rather have, him or Kirk Cousins at this point? Well, and you just mentioned a guy. Like, that's, I've told everybody this. And, and for this reason, I think that they'll probably have to franchise him unless they really want to roll up the bank, the bank for him. Is that, and there's, have you looked at the class of free agent quarterbacks that includes, by the way, Tom Brady and Drew Brees, which you got to assume that they will stay with their teams if they're playing at all? If they don't retire, but you don't know. Philip Rivers, possibly a Cam Newton, although it looks like maybe he just has Liz Frank in, uh, surgery. Maybe maybe right. Carolina will hang on to him with a new coach. Who knows? But like of all the quarterbacks, and there's a bunch of them that are out there, including Teddy Bridgewater and, and people like that. The number one free agent, if he made it there, would be a 25-year-old quarterback that's going to lead the league possibly in touchdowns and passing yardage. And oh yeah, interceptions too. But if Kirk Cousins can get $90 million guaranteed for three years. You don't think a 25-year-old Jameis Winston, whom everybody in the league will say, yeah, but he played for that awful organization in Tampa. So mm-hmm. did Steve Young. Mm-hmm. That's right. You don't think he can get $90 million? I, I know I he do. could. And Because I'm, I'm looking around the league, and we said this. It's funny how this all changed because you asked, you always ask a great question when it comes to this, whatever, whether it talks about coaches or whether it talks about uh, quarterbacks or whether, you know, whoever. Big decisions, yeah. Is is when a guy uh, becomes available, who else would want him? That, sh- that should show you what his value is. If a guy were to right. leave something, who else would want him? And earlier this season, you asked that question. We looked around and we said, well, I don't know that a whole lot of teams would pay Jameis a lot of money. Now I'm starting to look around and think, wow, well, I'm, you know, that he's better than what the Jets have. He's better than what the Dolphins have. He's better mm-hmm. than what um, – Jacksonville has. I mean, you can right. just go through the league. Right. Cincinnati, uh, mm-hmm. Oakland, Denver, right. the right. Chargers. I'd rather have them than Phillip Rivers. Like, now I'm starting to get like half the teams in the league I think he's better than. Right. And again, he's not at upper echelon. He's not the Patrick Mahomes or Russell Wilson or those guys. But is there an upside for him? In other words, is he is – I mean, five years would tell you usually what a player is in this league, right? right. Five years. Right. But he's still only 25 years old. In other words – and you can't escape this comparison, and, and, I, and I hate people that only compare him to Hall of Famers. But Peyton Manning's numbers are very similar after five seasons. Yeah. yeah. The they guy just are. I keep, the guy I keep coming back to, Rick, is Ben Roethlisberger. I really, he really, remi- in every yeah. way, reminds me of Ben Roethlisberger, who never got rid of the interceptions. <laughs> He's, you yeah. know, he, he, up until a year ago. But you know what? He won two Super Bowls, too. He won a lot of games. Yeah. And I know people say, well, he didn't have anything to do with the first Super Bowl. He had a lot to do with them getting to that first Super Bowl. So it was just mm-hmm. that game that people look at. But the second Super Bowl was all his, by the way. And, right. um, and I think Jameis is that way, too. He, he's not... He's never going to be a guy. He's never going to put up Aaron Rodgers like 26 touchdowns, two interceptions. He's never no. going to be. He'll Russell never Wilson, be that guy. no. Mm-hmm. Right. He'll never be a guy. To, he will always, I think he's always going to be a double-digit interception type guy. And every now and then he's going to have one of those games, even in the, in the future, yeah. even if he makes a Pro Bowl, even if he wins you a Super Bowl, he will have a game where he'll throw four interceptions in one oh, game yeah. and, yep. and personally lose it for you. Yeah. But um, I also know, Rick, that the other day he started a massive wildfire and then put it out. <laughs> You know, it was just. He really is that arsonist. Yeah. <laughs> but then hey, put it out. Hey, there's a fire down. over here. Yeah. <laughs> I got a hose. Yeah. Here's some gasoline and now, now it's a hose. <laughs> yeah. No, that's that's a good analogy. So you think they went out. You think they can take down uh, Detroit, Houston, and uh, yes. in Atlanta. Yeah. And the reason I said it back when I said that they were going to win out, it was partly because I, I liked the way they were playing. But it was right. also partly because of the schedule. I thought they had played. Yeah. Uh, they weren't playing anybody down the stretch. And I still don't think they've played anybody that great here the last few weeks. At the same time, they're beating the teams they should beat. They're going to end up going nine and seven, Rick, or eight and eight at least. And. Uh, again, you could say we always talk about this too. You could say this about every team, One but there were a couple here, of games right? that they were yeah. a couple of games away from being from being ten and six here. 
You know, well, one one game right now would have made a lot of difference. I mean, they're eliminated oh, yeah. because Minnesota won against Detroit the other day. But but you know, you make the kick against the Giants, which is the one I think that they will forever uh, wish that they had had finished. And then you know, and then of course the other giveaway game was Tennessee. Now it turns out Tennessee has reeled off you know five out of six wins since they got rid of their franchise quarterback and went to right. Ryan Tannehill of all things. And now they're talking about a possible extension with him. Oh, yeah, Marcus Mariota is a free agent as well, if you want him. Right. Um, Boy, so, that, that discussion's gone away. Yeah, right. Way, you know, yeah. Who, who would you rather have? Who would you rather have? Yeah, no question now. Um, but, uh, you know, Tennessee, it turns out, and again, I think they play in a, in a crappy division, to be honest with you. But They do. They're, they're still a playoff contender. And they gave that game away. They gave him 14 points. That's the thing about this team. Bruce said it the other day. He goes, I, I coach the nicest team in the NFL. We just give people 14, 17 <laughs> points, and then we come back and try to kick your ass. You know? Which, do you like, I'm starting to like, you know, Bruce is fun to cover. Look, I don't care what you think of him as, as a head coach. He's, he's one, two head. And, and frankly, he doesn't either, which is great. Like, it doesn't matter how you criticize Bruce. He doesn't care. He's hurt at all. He's been in the league, you know, 30 years or whatever. Sure. But – I really think that this team believes – the coaches, I'm telling you, and we'll know next year if this really translates, right, because there will be a whole new team next year. They're losing all their defensive linemen. We don't know what's going to happen to Shaq Barrett. Uh, we don't even know what's going to happen to the quarterback. But I'm telling you, there's something about Bruce Arians that's, that's fun to play for. I think these guys really have bought into him, more so than Dirk Cutter because Dirk was a first-time head coach in the NFL. I think people appreciate the fact that this guy has done some stuff. I wasn't in that locker room, Rick, as a player. I mean, I would spend a lot of time in there yeah. as a journalist. And and maybe you'll I don't, tell me how you feel about it. With with Bruce Arians, Bruce Arians is on that sideline, and he knows he belongs on that sideline. I always yes. felt like Dirk Cutter was trying to prove himself. Like, uh, I, that's like, a I great really point. belong here. Like, you know, that's a great point. I I. I to me, he so he's a, he was a good coach. Don't get me wrong; he was a really good coach. But, well, he knew football, yeah. Yeah, but I just always felt like he was. I'm smart, you know. I can. I'm not dumb like people <laughs> I'm say. Smarter than you. Yeah, right. <laughs> the boss. He was like Fredo almost. Me. Like I, it's just like I, I'm just trying to prove himself to everybody. It's like Dirk, you got the job, man. Relax. Um, <laughs> That's right. Win games. That's all right. you got to do. And whereas, whereas you're like, as you just said, Bruce Arians knows he belongs. He really doesn't care if you think he cares or not that's the thing like Dirk and I used to get into it a lot and Dirk came off with the attitude like I don't care what anybody else thinks and I think he cared what everybody else thought yeah he was very he had it he had a very thin veneer and that was and his reputation coming in was that I like Dirk a lot personally and, and I I think I think so, it's funny been, thing is so do I we actually think we'd be friends otherwise you know oh yeah you would be because I know him well enough to know you guys would have plenty of uh, common ground but when you cover him it's a different it's always a different deal because we're we're kind of like pressed against adversarial roles in some respects right. but um but with Dirk it was one of those things and and some people told you know I wrote He's a smarter than Fredo, this. by the way. Let me let me, let oh, me yeah. clear that up. I don't make it sound like I'm called him Fredo. <laughs> hey, Fredo. It's just as Fredo he walked Cutter. around with it with a chip on his shoulder. Anyway. Well, he did, and but a lot of coaches do. A lot of them do. But that job, look, that job is a different job, right? It's different than play calling. It's different than just being a coordinator. Um, you've got to manage the whole team. And I wrote a column about this or, or analysis. Nobody really got it because uh, they kind of like, what are you talking about? You're an idiot. That's why I don't read the Times. Um, <laughs> But I, I said that, you know, the Bucks have always made the mistake of hiring a coach to coach one player. It never mm, made sense mm. to me. And I think Cutter was in that position, right? Yeah. They hired Cutter to save Jameis. They hired Arians to save Jameis. While ignoring the fact that the rest of the team was terrible, right? The rest of the team, I mean, you can make Jameis what you want him to make him, but if he's got to throw 50 times, guess what? He's not going to win. And, that, and at the end of the day, it's about winning. And, you know, so they just never really got that. But with Arians, like Arians walks in and it's like, okay, if 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 we don't win, it's his fault, not mine. Like right. that, it was a totally different impression, right? Well, can Cutter pull this off? Can Cutter win and make Jameis a better quarterback? Now it's well, if Arians can't make Jameis a better quarterback, nobody can. Isn't that right. funny? Yeah, you're dealing yeah. from a different a different leverage point altogether, right? Right. And I loved what Arians said last week when you guys yeah. asked him about Jameis, and he didn't right. commit necessarily. No, know? no. That's because he's been around and knows enough. I I like him as the head coach. I think he's the head coach moving forward if he still has the energy and, and uh, sure. willingness to keep doing it. And uh, and I I think Jameis is your guy. I think he I think he is. 
All right, let's talk a little college football. Florida State has a new coach. He's Mike Norvell. Like the hire? I think so. I think I like him. I, I mean, they tried for the, they were going for the home run for a minute there, and you know, guys like a Bob Stoops, and I don't know how serious they got in on James Franklin or uh, or anybody like that. Um, Your boy got a raise, didn't he? He did. He did get a raise. <laughs> I've, I've turned around on James Franklin. I actually like James Franklin now. I I think he's I, the worst game day coach in college football. He might be. He might be. That that's true. But I now I think he. But I think he's going to be a guy, Rick. I think they're going to go ten and two every year. I don't know that they'll ever win a national championship, but I don't think they're going to have ever have seven and five years either. I think no, because he can recruit his ass off. Right. I think he's going to be a pretty consistent. You know, they'll every now and then they'll pull off a. They won't beat Michigan and Ohio State both in the same season. They'll, they'll be, be one of them. They'll yeah. beat one or the other, and then they always lose a game that they like. Ah, really? Why'd you lose Pittsburgh? That game? Yeah. yeah, Pitt, Minnesota, whatever. Right. Um, but but then they win the rest. You know, they'll go to Iowa and win. You know, they'll they'll uh, they'll beat Pitt the other years. You know, they'll 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 win just enough games to to uh, um, to keep you satisfied. But um, but but Norvell at, at Florida State, yeah, I I think I like it. I think I like the hire, young up and coming guy, coach that uh, knows what it's like to run a program. I don't know. I mean, I, his resume sounds like Willie Taggart's, right? Um, American Athletic Conference offensive guru. Right. But yeah. he's not Willie Taggart. You know why? Because he's won. Well, <laughs> Willie yeah. Taggart really never had a good record anywhere he's been. He always turned around. He had the programs. one good year at USF where he, what, they went 10 and 2. A good one at Western Kentucky, you know. Yeah. And then went to Oregon. They were pretty, pretty mediocre at Oregon, right? Seven and five or something like that. Right. And we, I think we all knew, I think we all knew when Willie came here that it was a stretch. Like it just, he, he, he jumped up the ladder. He skipped a couple of steps moving up the ladder. Uh, I don't think, I don't think Nor, I don't get that impression with Norvell. I, I like, I think I like it. What do you, do you like it? I, well, I mean, I think he, you know, he checks a lot of boxes. I, I, I don't know. Here's what I don't know. I don't know how good Florida State's program is anymore i don't know if i don't know if like it's been so long not that long i mean jimbo fisher obviously won a national championship with Jameis winston what like six years ago or so right seven maybe but that's but in college football think about how, that's a lifetime right that's two recruiting classes mm -hmm. so the kids that remember florida state winning a national championship they were like 13 years old or, or, or 10 years old right the guys you're recruiting now right so they barely have a memory of it that's how fast things change so, I mean, yeah, if he can, if he, now he's not a guy that's recruited Florida, he'll have to hire coaches that know how to do that here. Um, but, but he certainly has, see, I, I always think about this, Tom, if you win your, wherever you are, you're probably going to be a winner. Yeah. And it, it's kind of true. Like in football, like if you were great in high school and great in college, you know what you're going to be in the NFL? Great. Yeah. You know, I'm or very you good. That. I'm with you. You know what that. I'm saying? Like special shows up early, I think. So he, he won it and he won big at Memphis. Now, you know, Matt, uh, some other people have done that, you know, before he got there, but I think they've had three 10 win seasons in the history of the program. He has two of them. I like, I think he's going into a more winnable job than say, like this guy from App State just left. And I get it. You leave App State because it's Appalachian Appala State's a great place. Boone, North Carolina is a lovely place to live. Yeah, it is. But to. But he's taking a job at Missouri. I, can you win at Missouri? I don't know that you can. Not know, consistently. Not maybe? you might you might pop up every now and then and have a good year, but I don't know if you can win there consistently. Or like Lane Kiffin. That's a Lane Kiffin. I heard I heard the so he takes the job at Ole Miss, which I think it's actually a, a probably a good decision by Ole Miss to sort of reinvigorate the program. And and I've heard stories that Lane Kiffin's really grown up the last few years. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. No. Seriously. <laughs> Okay. But here's the thing, like, so I heard their schedule next year. They have a three-game stretch where they play Auburn, LSU, Alabama. Like, that's yeah. crazy. Yeah. You can't. I don't know that you can win at Old Miss anymore, or at least in right now. You know, um, I, you can win at Florida State. I, I think the ACC is is vulnerable. I mean, Clemson's got it rolling for sure. But other than that, I mean, Miami's way down. Virginia Tech's not the program they used to be. I think right. I think I think you're it's your Kate you can you can win a lot of games in the ACC right yeah, now. Yeah, you can get healthy fast there. You got to knock off yeah. Clemson, but you can get to the championship for sure, especially where they're coming from. Right. So, 
Yeah, we'll see. I mean, I, I look, he, I like guys that are on the rise, okay? And, yes. and I'm not sure that – I think Willie Taggart's leap was a little too fast. Maybe if he stayed at Oregon a couple of years and proved that he could iron that out. And, I mean, obviously, Cristobal did a nice job, and he, he went ahead and, you know, they upset Utah, and, and um, you know, he's going, he's going what, to, the, uh, to the Rose Bowl. Right. So that, that was a great year. And some of those guys are Willie's guys. At least one recruiting class is. But, you know, had he stayed there, I just think it was just like, you know, the overall record wasn't good. Um, I'm not sure if the coaches he brought with him were all that great. So, you know, it didn't work out. And uh, With know, Willie, I would have wanted to see – and I know they had to jump at the top. You can't choose like, okay, Willie, we'll wait three years and we'll hire you in three years. No, they offered him a job when they offered it to him. Right. Yeah. But I would have – I think if everybody looking back now, they would have liked to have seen. Okay, what was what would Willie be like without without Quentin Flowers? Like let's right. let's let's see a couple of teams without Quentin Flowers. Yeah, yeah. And um, and because a lot of people will say, "I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for." But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over seventy percent of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com/people today. They, that's the reason they won. Yeah, well, like I said, he went seven and five at Oregon, and if he'd have stayed there and, and maybe had a couple nine or ten win seasons, then you know you'd have thought differently about him. But because he didn't have a lot of success, and then started losing right away at Florida State, then it had to happen. Okay, USF has a new head coach. I know you like Charlie Strong. I like Charlie Strong. I did. Just didn't feel like. I don't know. I have a philosophy about these AAC schools in general, and I think they got it right in this sense. Except the fact that you're always better off getting the rising coach who won't stay here very long because he's going to get a job in one of the Power Five conferences. But that's better than getting a guy that's just falling down temporarily and hoping he gets back to the SEC or the ACC. You perfectly summed it up, Rick. That's exactly – you have to realize who you are. And USF has to realize that's who we are, that we're going to bring in a young guy, a young coordinator from a place like Clemson, but realizing he's going to leave. If I'm right. Mike, Michael Kelly, I have whenever that press conference is that they're going to introduce him, I think it's going to be on Wednesday, right? Mm-hmm. As soon as that press conference is over, I'm going back to my office. I'm pulling out a piece of paper and a pen, <laughs> and I'm writing you down the a list. Next, yeah, the yeah, next yeah. five names on my list of who's going to be the next coach at USC. Sure. And I always have that list available because that guy's going to – Jeff, this is going to go one of two ways. Either he's not going to do any good, and you're going to fire him in three years, yeah. or he's going to do so well – that Virginia Tech's going to call him, or Kansas is going to call him, or you know Oregon's going to call whoever, um, and that's and that's what you just have to realize that's who you are. But if you sit there and think we're hiring our next our coach for the next twenty years, that's not realistic, and and that shouldn't mm-hmm. be your goal. No, I t- I totally agree with all of that. So I think Jeff Scott will do a nice job, and and he's a guy that's recruited this area. Lots lots of players, Artavius Scott and others. Um, went to Clemson from from the Tampa Bay area. I know there'll be a lot of high school coaches that'll be um, interested in seeing him. And uh, as Matt Baker said, you know, when we recruit, you got to not just know the high school coaches. You got to know the guys in the high school that take these kids to the camps that you know that work out. Because some of these guys, you know, don't come from uh, a lot of wealth and, and things like that. So I mean, I think Scott will know the landscape, and if he can just keep some of the players here in Tampa Bay, he should be good. Let me All ask right, you real my, quick. Let me go real quick. Mm-hmm. Do you think USF is a good job? Like I was yes. a little, I was a little surprised that this guy took this job. No, I think it is a good job for the right person. I here's here's what I think. I think as Peter King would say, here's what I think. I think, <laughs> I think that USF is a good job, but I think you've got to get the facilities and the indoor. That's a really facilities. good Peter King, by the Thanks. way. Thanks. Here's what I think. He was talking. He was on Dan Patrick the other day talking about Jameis Winston. I'm not sure he exactly understood everything about Jameis Winston, but. Um, he was good. So, um, but yeah, the facility. You, know, you think it's all about the facilities? Y- y- well, you've you've got to build. Look, you're located in Tampa, Florida, and you play at an NFL stadium. I don't think that's a negative. If I'm a, 
Because, you know, the people that pay for your program, they like sitting in the luxury suites. Everybody asks, why don't you build a campus state and be so much better? Yeah, yeah, but, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. you could be in worse places trying to recruit. You mentioned Boone, North Carolina, Yeah. right? Beautiful place. But would you rather would you rather go play in Boone, North Carolina or Tampa, Florida? Oh, yeah, no, it gets cold in Boone in November. You know, I'm just saying, sure, like, yeah. like, you should be able to recruit here. So if you can get yourself on equal footing, now what's happened is, Memphis, SMU, uh, hell, Navy. Right. Um, you know, you these other teams. Obviously. Yeah, yeah. The, but these other teams in the AAC, they got it rolling. Yeah. You can't be the fourth best team in the AAC. Right. You, you know, Central Florida, you got a you got a you got a you got a team right down the street that you gotta be better than. No, it's a or double whammy. They're gonna whammy. take your best players. It's a double whammy. You not only is every the other teams in your conference good, but the teams in your state are really good. Right. And that's what And so then you know, then we're talking about the Florida States and the Floridas and all that. But there's plenty of guys that go away to college and you know, you're in the transfer portal now. You should be able to get guys on, on the way back. You know what I mean? That maybe they went to, you know, Michigan or, or Indiana, I don't know, wherever they went. Um, Iowa, and they decided they were too far from home and would like to play closer to home or didn't get enough playing time. And you're in a perfect place to scoop those guys and build. But I think you have to have a hungry coach. I think you have to have a guy who is not looking to see if Arkansas is hiring but wants to really, you know, win here, you know, roll up his sleeves, make a name for himself here, care about this program. And then, you know, if his opportunity comes, everybody accepts that you're going to lose a good coach. But, um, But I think it's the... It's sort of – I think they got it right. I think you want the guy on his way up instead of one that's sort of on his way down. Well, I look at – okay, there's a, there's a program out there, and I'm talking about Rutgers, that there's one mm. person in the world who wanted that job. And there was only right. one person that was going to make that work, and that was – you know, they went with the guy who built it, which was Greg Schiano. Right. And they brought him back. I, I don't even think – That Rutgers, would be like bringing Jim Levitt back. So that's my – that's what I'm getting to. And let me ask you this. And I, I, I realize now there was so much baggage when yeah. Jim Levitt – I mean, he hit a kid. You know, you can't do that. Uh, but a lot of people say, a uh, long time ago, he's got another job since then. It's, would you have even thought for a second about it? I'm not saying it would, I, that I would. I'm just asking a question. Jim Levitt's a guy who would come back and would stay forever. Like, he would be happy to coach here for the next, and I'm not even sure how old Jim is now, probably 60 Somewhere in there, I'm guessing. I think Maybe. he's shy of that, yeah. Yeah. But I mean, close to it. Yeah, no, he's probably 60, yeah. He probably could have got another 15 years out of him as a as a head coach, maybe. 13 yeah. years. 10, would you 12, Would yeah. you have even thought about it? Me personally, yes, because I know Jim Levitt since he was 16 years old. Right. Um, so I got to get that disclaimer. But um, – and, and, and to be honest with you, I read all that stuff. I still don't know what really happened. Um, I, I believe that, that Levitt – because I know his personality a little bit. Um, it's a little like Harbaugh. It's a little like Gruden. He's gonna he he's gonna he's gonna wear on you like sandpaper. You yeah. know, if you're in the administration, if you're in the building, because he's just so worked up about things. You know what I mean? But sort of like his brilliance is what that's what makes gives him the edge, right? But nobody would have cared or does care about USF more than Jim Levitt because he's from here. It always, that was always the anchor for him. Right. His mom still lives here. She's 90 years old. St. Petersburg, he went to Dixie Hollins High School. That program meant everything to him because he started it in a trailer. Right. You know? And and so, yeah, there there you could not find a guy that would be better for USF. I don't think they'll ever find a guy that would be better for USF, no matter if Willie Taggart won more games there or not, than Jim Levitt because it, there's an emotional attachment, you know, that that literally is his baby. You know what I'm saying? Right. Now, apparently when he reached a settlement, because he's remember he sued USF right. for for more of his money, from what I understand, I might might be not getting this just right, but I don't believe he's enabled to even apply for a coaching job there. Or and that, or and that may there. be right. And there, that was part of the settlement, I believe. Yeah, and there I'm sure there was a lot more going on behind the scenes than than yeah. than what we heard. Right. Uh, and I and there but, also there's also been the theory that that yes, he had the incident with the kid, and that wasn't good. And maybe that was that was it was fireable, and means you're never hired again here. And and I wouldn't have a problem with that if that's what the issue was. There was also a lot of rumors around that time, Rick, that USF started to get a little big for its britches and thought mm, we're not happy with eight and four every year. We would rather. And he was making a lot of money. Yeah, and, and was going to make more. People, 
like when when they can when whenever anybody poked their head in his office, he was probably right. had a few choice words for him about getting yeah, out of that and, office. Yeah, and and to to Jim's defense, and and look, you know, none, none of this was ever proven in a court of law. I mean, they did pay the guy millions of dollars, you know, when he when he, you know, tried to defend himself and said this never happened. So I don't want to convict him. You know, right. I I wasn't there. I mean, it's one of those things. Other people were. Um, but I don't know what he did. You know what I'm saying? I, yeah, this yeah. isn't Woody Hayes coming off a sideline and punching a guy on national right. TV. Or you know, Bob Knight with a history of hitting. Right. I mean, he's he's and... been a coach in college football since, right? Like, it was yeah. okay for him at Colorado. He was okay for him to be defensive coordinator at Oregon. Right. Florida State hired him. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, it's – I mean – so if what he did was so egregious, I don't think those programs would have had them associated with him. Right. So let's let's not turn him into into Bobby Knight, you know, at the yeah. end there. Right. Um, so, but yeah, I mean, I think that's the one guy that would be there forever, you know, if 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 he had that opportunity. And, and maybe, I don't like know what I said, maybe Jeff Scott's still the better hire. I, I don't. I just I just well, thought he may that, be. I thought like Rutgers. I thought it was a really smart decision by Rutgers to go after Greg Shandler because nobody else wants that job. And right, Rutgers is a horrible job. At this I got point. news for you: Greg Schiano doesn't want that job. Probably not. Probably, it's probably the only job he can get at this point. Which is, I mean, bizarre. do you think second acts are? I mean, when Greg Schiano coached there, they weren't playing Michigan and Ohio State. They shouldn't even be in the Big Ten, quite frankly. It's a. I mean, really. I mean, think about it. Like he rose that. That was the the. You know, first of all, they played football there longer than anybody in in college football. But like, they were the worst, the worst program in the United States. And he, he got them at one point, what, what 10, 11 games, something like that, yeah, ranked something like nationally. That, yeah. Sure. Um, ruined USF season one time when they were ranked second, I think. That in, big in game. The, Remember they had that the big nation. game against Louisville, I think yeah, it was? Yeah, absolutely. And people were storming the field and all that. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, the thing is, is that if Greg Schiano, and I know this, if, if they said, if USF said to him, will you be our coach over Rutgers, <laughs> he's here in a heartbeat. Mm. UCF, here in a heartbeat. Probably any job in the AAC he would have taken, maybe even over Rutgers. Just because they're in the Big Ten, I don't think that's what attracted them. You know? I mean, the whole Tennessee debacle, all that stuff. Right. You know? So I think I think he'll he's perfect for Rutgers, and he could retire there if he chose to. Um, but we'll see. We'll see how he does now that he's, he's not playing Big East football. Right. You know? It's uh, – no t- it's it, it's bigger than that. No temples on the schedule, yeah. No temples at all. <laughs> so let's talk about the Tampa Bay Lightning before I let you go. Mm-hmm. Um, I got a prediction, and I okay. hate doing this because I've I know we talked about this before. Somebody's getting fired by Christmas, and I don't know who it's going to be. <laughs> it could be Julian Breezebois, or it could be John Cooper. I don't think it's going to be Julian Breezebois. Let's start there. I don't, okay, I but he built this mess. Let's uh, not let's not I mean, just Steve say. Hold build. on now. Yeah. Well, but listen. Look, Eisenman's uh, out of okay. here. Eisenman left. Eisenman left before your... they before they let some of these defensemen go, and now all of a sudden they can't stop anything. But I will say, you got this. the best goaltender in the NHL giving up five goals a game lately. Yes. So there's something wrong here. Well, and, there's something wrong, but just real quick about the Steve Eisman thing. Like, no, go ahead, go ahead, finish your finish. Well, your all I'm going to say is that the way this team is playing, based on what universally everybody, I mean, they're still picked to win the Stanley Cup this year by by people that know hockey a hell of a lot better than I do. Um, and we know what happened last year in the playoffs, and we know that they're attempting to fix it and quote play the right way and and all this sort of thing. That's been sort of the the anthem over there since the season started. But this is this hockey team is in trouble. Yes, it is. They're playing badly. They're not winning games. Um, they're missing opportunities to to stay, you know, even in the playoff picture. I mean, I know it's really early, it's not even Christmas yet. But if something doesn't turn around quick and they've got some pretty tough opponents coming up at home, they're gonna fall out of this and fall out of it a long a long ways. I, I and I don't want to hear about St. Louis and how, you know, in January they weren't yeah, in yeah, the play yeah, yeah. and all that stuff. That's a that's the outlier, right? That doesn't happen every year. But this hockey team's well underperforming and I don't know that anybody seems to sound like they have the answer. Just to just to be clear, we're taping this podcast before Tuesday night's game against the Panthers. So Correct. people are going to say back, after yeah, the Lightning win that game. And they can come out and beat the Panthers 10-1. to 1. Right, yeah. and then we would say, what are these guys talking about, man? They're right, right, right. Or they could, and my prediction would be more like I could see them losing this game on uh, Tuesday night. 
against the Panthers. I said on this podcast, I don't know how many times, Rick, I came on your podcast maybe three or four times, and I said this even before the season started, that this team would stumble and bumble around until Christmas. Um, that they that uh, there would be a hangover. You from said last it's a year. hangover, yeah. I said it's a hangover, and I even said, and you can go back and people can go back and listen to it. I said you won't see this real team until after Christmas. Having said that, I'm more concerned now than every other time that I said that in the past. Like it does something feels off about this team. Clearly, they're not playing. And I know they played the Islanders the other night, and the theory is like, well, they actually played pretty well, and it was the score doesn't. It was indicate. two to one, and then they got a goal was disallowed at three to two. I don't, I don't care. Like it's John Tortorella when, when <laughs> I used to ask John Tortorella, uh, but hey, Marty St. Louis hasn't scored a goal in six games, but he said he's getting chances, and he would say bleep <laughs> chances. How about scoring bleeping goal now and then? <laughs> Well, I, you know, in that theory, like bleep playing well, how about some bleeping yeah. wins here? Yeah, we need points, man. Exactly. Because you know what this has reminded me of, Rick, a couple of years ago when they missed the playoffs, when they, they had a did. good team, and everybody was saying, oh, they'll be okay, it's going to be fine, and then they fell so it wasn't out of fine. It, right, that, yeah. that by the time they caught fire, and they did too catch late. fire, mm-hmm. they, it was too late. They had fallen too far behind. And when you get in this league now with a lot of good teams, and you're talking about being in a division – with you know teams like Boston and Florida's off to a pretty good start, and you, you have to think Toronto at some point is going to get pretty good. Forget the wild card too. I think the, the way these teams are starting to build up points in the other division, it's going to be you know you're going to have to to make the playoffs. You might have to get in the first three spots. And again, it's early. A lot of stuff can happen. But but is it but early? There's so many three point games. It's it's hard to catch up when you fall behind in, in the NHL. I'm so, I'm saying like, is it really early? I mean, is it early? Well, you say yeah, okay. Technically, you say yes, but if you look at statistics, and how many look, teams come back as, after Christmas and and just like they're it's like amazing if, you're, if you look at teams who are in the playoff as early as Thanksgiving, how often those teams go? I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, but I've done it in the past. If you're in a playoff spot at Thanksgiving, your chances of making the playoffs are are like well over fifty percent. Yeah, and when and obviously. Another a month later at Christmas, it goes up even higher. And then, of course, when you get into January or February 1st, it's it's even higher than that. And, I, yeah, is it early? Uh, I don't know. Is it that early? I mean, well, when you watch them play through now. When you watch them play, what's, what's, what's wrong? In other words, what don't you see or what do you see that's giving them the most trouble? It's 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 a combination of, like, lack of urgency and mm-hmm. lack of confidence. Like – Remember last year, no matter what happened, and last year was an anomaly, I get it. Like, you're talking about one of the all-time great regular seasons in the history of the game. But you'd watch them last year, and I don't care what the score was, I don't care where they were playing, I don't care who was goaltending. It, when it was winning time, they were winning. They were going to win that game. You, had, you yeah. There was never a thought like, oh, they're going to lose this game. They'd right. be down 3-1 to one right. in the third period, and you're like, ah, they can win this game. They'll win right. this game. Right. And now, you look at it, and it's 3-1. to one. They could be up 3-1 to one in the third period, and you're like, eh, I don't know if they're going to win this game. Like, they just have that sense of, of not being sure of themselves. And I don't know what the answer is. Like, I'm a big John Cooper guy. You know that. I like him a lot. But, look, and I, when I mentioned Steve Eisman, it's partly to blame for this. You know what this team could use? And I've seen other teams do it. This team could use a big sh- shakeup, a trade. Problem is, everybody's on a no-trade clause. They can't trade anybody. Like, yeah. most of the guys that you would think about, if you were truly going to shake this thing up, you can't do it because the guys are on no trade, and it's hard to make trades anymore in the NHL because of salary cap and all that. But, but a trade, a trade just for trade sake, or a trade to just I, yeah, I've send seen it. Ma- I mean, I've really? seen it. You know, I've seen teams like just blow things up, and at some point, you you have to look at this franchise and say, okay, they're not winning. Is it all just because of the coach? I mean, they're or uh, it's, you're gonna have to try something at some point. Now, I I don't think we're there yet. But listen, let We're me just say that I'll, I'll keep be, this I'll keep this simple for you like a child's book if you want me to, Tom. You've got <laughs> you've you've got Steven Stamkos, Nikita Kucherov, Victor Hedman, okay? Yep. And Andre Vasilevsky. Have you heard of any of those guys? Have they won any hardware in their day? Yeah. And then you got a kid like Braden Point who might and Brayden Point, oh yeah, oh yeah, him. We could go down the road with Sorelli and all these. Listen, sister, I mean, at the end of the day, they have as much talent as I mean. Those are the core guys that I just named that have been recognized as the best in the National Hockey League. Yep, like the whole league. 
Like all the teams. Mm-hmm. Best defenseman, best goaltender, leading scorer, best player. Come on. What are you doing? I get uh, it. Why are we making this difficult? I get it. And, I, and I, I'm telling you, I, I still think last year has something to do with all this. But something needs to change. You're not wrong. You're not wrong about this. It's not like, it's, it's fine. Everything's going to be fine. I don't you can't know that, fire all those players, Tom. You I don't know you, that everything's going to be fine. You're right. You're, I don't know that everything's going to be fine. The thing about Breezebot, too, and this is what I said, it's, it's, I would be shocked if something happened with him because I don't know who you replace him with. I don't know that. See, I, and I never buy that I, argument. I hear that a lot in coaching. It's like, well, who are you going to get? You're, well, look, see, now there's the difference. In coaching, it's your job, are, though. There are but it's your job. Out. There are replacements out there, including on that staff. You're telling me that out of all the teams in the National Hockey League, what was what was Julian Breesby? He was an apprentice, right, for Stevie Eisenman, yeah. right? There's got to be somebody like that in another city. But yeah, but I I don't know. Like, look, this is his second year in. This is still this is still. I he had a lot to do with putting this team together. But I also, I are, that's the thing. Are we arguing though that the talent isn't there? Or are we arguing no? That it's, and it's that's not that. And it's well, it might not be the right pieces though. You know, and, and we've Perhaps. talked. And, and it, you Perhaps. know. The, uh, Steve Versnick, of course, who produces this show, and Steve can can speak for himself. I mean, he said, you know, you you lost some real. Def- you wanted to get better on defense, and you hired offensive defensemen. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Kevin Shattenkirk's a, like a nightmare at his own end. There's no right. question about that. And so I mean, it, they're it not. Seem- and overall, as a team, I don't think they're very good defensively. Their forwards are really bad defensively. Like Steven Stamkos is not a good defensive forward. Oh, Nikita he's horrible. Kucherov is not a good defensive forward. They, no. And sometimes, and sometimes defense. From your forwards is a matter. It's not a matter. They, it's not like they don't know how. These it's guys will. Are, it's just it's, will. It is. It's energy. Yeah. It's it's yeah. The willingness to go do it. Right. And and is that coaching? Mm, you can argue that. Sure. Well, yeah. if they're all I know this is if 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 a team's not responding and you like the players, they don't get rid of the players. Right. Now, like I said, to to keep true with my word that I've been saying on this on your podcast all along here is that I I really felt that Christmas was the was sort of the mark that I would really start judging this team from Christmas on. I'm way more concerned. I'm not We're two weeks many, away. We're two, two weeks, weeks away. away. So if if we get into the I, I wouldn't do anything yet. Uh, but what if they're out of it? What what if they continue on this 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 path that they're on and they lose eight out of the next ten games? I mean sure everything's on a table. Why wouldn't it be? Everything absolutely everything's on a table. The other thing that's concerning, Rick, is that um I mean, your schedule is what your schedule is, but some you have to start playing. Early in the year, when they were stumbling and bumbling around, at least they had some like quality wins. They were beating some teams. I think they beat Boston early on, I want to say. And, and they, had a, Toronto, they had a fractured beat- schedule with a lot of travel, and they weren't playing every other night. Now you're in this stretch where you're in the, in the groove, right? Right. And now we're going to start seeing. I mean, they're playing the Panthers. They're playing the Capitals. They're playing the Bruins. They're playing teams that, that are measuring stick games. You know, which right. is odd to say, like, oh, we, we got to see how we stack up against the Bruins. Well, you should be stacking up against the Bruins just fine, and you're not. I would give it to a little bit after Christmas, see where you are, because, like I said, I thought they would stumble around until Christmas time, and I don't think there's any coach in the world that could have done anything about that. But I'm with you. I'm more. I'm more concerned now. I thought I'd see more signs that I'd feel better about this thing, and I'm starting to feel worse about it. There's no question. You know what it reminds me of, and I, I I'm not a hockey guy. I'll be the first to tell you, you, you forgotten more hockey than I'll ever learn but it seems to me that you had an event last year right where you had the the best regular season hockey team in the history of hockey tied the record right right for the most wins and all that and like you said didn't if they had to score eight goals they scored eight if they had to score nine they scored nine it just did they were that good right they were up and down the ice that great offensively they were on fire they were rolling right and and it wasn't all done with defense. They didn't win a lot of games two to one. But if they had to, they'd find a way. Yeah. Now you take these guys and you say, wasn't good enough. Look what it got us. Nothing. We're changing. We gotta play different. We gotta play we gotta play a different style. We gotta protect. We gotta do that. We need bigger guy. We need the and you know what you did? You just ruined what you just took you just took away the strength of your team. You're not letting you're you're putting square pegs in a round hole. I've right. seen it in, in other sports. The guys gotta be who they are. Yeah. They gotta play the way they the way they play. That's it a was fair good point. enough. It was good enough to get them, you know. I mean, they beat everybody's butt during the regular season. Look, I don't know that if they don't draw 
Columbus and John Tortorello, and and they get a a they win a game even in that. I mean, they hell they had the first game won and they blew that. I, I mean, that was just one of those things, man. It's like bad matchup, blew a game, mm-hmm. felt a little pressure. Kucherov gets suspended for one. You know, those things happen in sports. It's right. not guaranteed to you when you get the postseason that you're just going to slide through to the finals because right. you're the best team. That happens in football. It happens in baseball. You've seen 100-win teams lose in the first round. Yeah, it happens in college basketball. The NCAA but then you overreact and you go, oh, no, no, we can never play like this again. Rick, I, I think you've completely nailed it here. I, and I'm telling you, that's, that's why that sweep to Columbus has totally just wiped They overreacted to it, Tom, as an organization. I don't disagree with that. I, th- I think you might be right about that. And the th- and the thing is, is, is when you look back and you say, to this day, what happened against Columbus? I think most people, if you were to ask the Lightning point blank, what happened to Columbus? They're going to say, you know what? I don't know. I'd, that's one of those series. Like, I don't know what happened. Like, we start, we played game one. We blew it. And the next thing we know, we're shaking hands. Like, yeah, it literally like, felt but like that's it, how, But that's how fast it can happen in this series. That's what I'm saying. I know. You started at home, and I was at game one, and I'm telling you, it, it couldn't have started any better. And then all of a sudden, it was like, <gasps> like, oh, my God. And I'm telling you, and, Rick, then, that, and then game two comes, and you go, okay, so they blew game one, but they're clearly better than Columbus. Before they could look up, they're down two to nothing, Tom. I mean, before the, I mean, it was unbelievable how fast they were trailing. Now it was pain. Now they're gripping the sticks. Now they're sawdust on the ice. That's pro sports. That's any sport. It felt like a time warp, Rick. It felt like that series. I don't know what day it's. It felt like it started on a Wednesday at like eight o'clock, a, and it ended Wednesday. at midnight. That's like so it right. felt like it was over. It's, it felt it like was. we were playing video games. Let's just get oh, let's play another one. Let's run it back right now, right now. You know. Yeah. And that, because and I'm telling, it was. Yeah, and and it totally monkeyed with their heads. I'm telling you. I, and that's but why they overreacted as a franchise to it. They overreacted as a franchise to it. Well, not only did they overreact, but I think everybody started the season assuming, okay, we'll get to the playoffs. Can we just get to April 15th already, please? There's and some of, of sudden, that. It's like, There's some of, of that. It's like you need to worry about December 10th, you know? There's some of that. But you know what? They, I mean, you don't have to go back that far when they had that attitude coming off a of Stanley Cup, and it was like, yeah, well, we just figured we'd go right to the playoffs, and then we realized we have to put in the work. That was what that season they missed the playoffs was about by two points. Right. Right? So they supposedly, this this core, or a lot of them that are still here, learned that lesson back then, that the regular season, you know, you play it for a reason. You don't just play it to, you know, entertain and make money. I mean, it's it, it does lead to something. But I think they've changed their – I think as an organization – and look, Iserman left. You know, everything – every year is different in pro sports. It, I saw it happen with the Buccaneers winning a Super Bowl – it fell apart in a hurry because nothing is the same year to year. Well, I remember right? the Lightning won the Stanley Cup in 2004, and then they yeah. had to lock out the next year. And look, when they the night that they well, that I was there, me. the night that they you were there too, the night they were walking off with the Stanley Cup, I thought this is the first of many. I mean, Vinny Cav Vinny LeCavie was oh, yeah. 24, 25, or whatever. Marty St. Louis, they were all in their 20s. Oh, yeah. Brad Richards, they were all kids. Javi like, Bullen was in his prime. Yeah, yeah. this team's going to win. Like they're going to win like three or four cups. Never got, right. never even sniffed another one. Never even right. got to a conference final with that team. Right. So, uh, no, I, I, no, I look. I know what you're saying, Rick. There's something. It doesn't look right. It doesn't feel right. Um, I'm not incredibly optimistic, but I, but I'm not totally surprised. And I think, like I said, I, I'll start really judging starting at Christmas, and then you know what I would do. I mean, this, I'm not a coach. So this is and this is why. I would, and maybe Cooper has done this. I would roll the pucks out there and say, "Boys, go win any way you want." That's it. Play I thought you were going to say, you want. I, thought you were, "I thought you were going to say, I'm going to get the sticks and throw them in the locker in the shower." <laughs> say, "You lollygag around the neutral zone. You lollygag in front of your own." What does back. that make us? <laughs> Lollygaggers. <laughs> well, that too. We can't do a podcast without a Bull Durham reference. That's oh every, yeah, it's, been, it's it's phenomenal. Well, this has always been fun. So uh, what do you got coming up on Pointer.org for those uh, fans that want to follow you on uh, that? I don't know. Go to Pointer.org. Sign up for the newsletter. Um, Just go to Pointer.org to do that. And uh, it's P-O-Y-N-T-E-R dot O-R-G. I don't know. I need to get in the office. I know uh, Fox News just hired somebody to replace uh, Shep Smith. Um, What else we got going on? Meet the Press is always fun every week. And they invite 
people on and Chuck Todd goes berserk. So yeah. it's, well, uh, we got this impeachment thing going on too. You might oh, be yeah. about coverage of that. Oh yeah, I forgot about that too. Yeah. yeah. So and a, and a huge story. By the way, if you haven't checked that huge story in the Washington Post, um, that was in today's Washington Post, but it's online. Basically, a modern day version of the Pentagon Papers. I was going to say, it reminds me exactly of the Pentagon Papers. Exactly what it is. Yeah. In fact, yeah. Uh, I've I've there there have even been like some real yeah some real. Uh, Daniel Ellsberg, who who was the guy that got the Pentagon Papers, has right. commented about these and said, "Yeah, it looks looks a lot like the Pentagon Papers." So, war in Afghanistan and what it, uh, maybe what some administrations weren't truthful about, yeah. something like that. Yeah, exactly. And then also too, I, I was just it's on my table here, so that's that's what I'm thinking of. There was a really good story in New York Times Magazine. It's on it's online right now. It's about a guy who in Pinellas County, there was a murder back here in 1986. A woman was killed. I think she was from Indian Rocks Beach, and. Uh, she was killed up near the causeway somewhere. She was murdered and uh, ended up, a guy ended up going, two guys ended up going on death row um, because of a jailhouse informant said, you know, well, it turns out this mm-hmm. jailhouse informant has ended up like testifying in like 34 cases across the country. Jeez. Just happens to be the luckiest guy in the world. It just happens to be walking by these jail cells when someone spills they just the beans. Confess. Yeah. Well, they just confessed him. And then he gets out of trouble. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, maybe not all his stories were true, and four people oh, ended up on death row because of it. Anyway, an incredible story in New York Times Magazine. So, uh, well, that's, well, that's the sort of thing you can get yeah. when you read Tom's uh, newsletter on Pointer.org. Great talking to you as always, Tommy. Thanks, Thanks buddy. Rick. Thanks, Steve. So speaking of the Lightning, we got more talk about the Bolts with Diana Neros tomorrow, the Lightning beat writer for the Tampa Bay Times, and we'll hear new USF coach Jeff Scott following his news conference later today. And, of course, more updates on that thumb injury to Bucks quarterback Jameis Winston as he and his team prepares to play Detroit on Sunday. So, for Steve Burstick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 